as Josh was saying, we are in a time of, of fasting. And as part of that, um, we're also feasting in it. We're feasting on the Lord's word. So if you would um, open your Bibles or apps today, we are going to be reading. Um, today's message is um, from Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. Everyone stand, please. Now it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, when you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And he said to them, which of you shall have a friend, and go to him at midnight, and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Behold, I am doing a new thing. And now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I am making ways in the wilderness. I am making rivers in the desert. Good morning, church. I'm so excited to be with you this morning. My name is Genevieve Smith. I'm the pastor for students and families here at Trinity Grace Church. And I want to give a quick shout out to my youth ministry team. If you could just please stand real quick. I just want to tell everybody who you are. Stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up. And there's more, there's more, but they're not here. But praise God for you. Yes. Amen. All right. There's a lot of other people I want to shout out. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to keep pushing because, you know, we've got a certain amount of time up here. But I have family and loved ones here. I acknowledge you. I have friends here. I love you. I'm so glad you're with us this morning. This morning, we're going to talk about prayer. And I'm real excited. Well, I'm, I'm, I get real excited anyway. But prayer, I get really, really excited about um, because prayer has been a really important part of my journey in faith. And so I have to admit to you 
that it's really hard to talk about prayer in like only a few minutes. <laughs> so, but I'm excited because uh, God has a few things he wants us to explore today. So we just going to do that, okay? So I'm going to open this up in prayer and then we'll see what Jesus has to say about prayer. God, thank you so much for this day. I praise you. I know you're here. I know you hear us when we pray. Please speak in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're going to talk about prayer. And I love prayer because prayer is about uh, our relationship with God. Prayer is a lifeline. And a lot of us have a hard time praying. Oh, I got to tell you all this. And we got to start here, okay. So I'm from the black church tradition. And in there, what we do is we like to honor call and response. It's almost like we're having a conversation when we're doing the sermon, okay? So I invite you, like if you're a person who likes to be a little more vocal, you be vocal, beloved. If you want to speak back, you do it, okay? I welcome that. I'll make you feel at home. Okay. Amen. All right. So now I'm going to ask you a question. So, So there are many reasons why we don't pray. Amen. There are many reasons, but can you guys shout out just some quick ones why we don't pray, why we don't pray, just quick one. Shame. We don't know the words to pray. It's too busy. Say what? Too busy. We're too busy to pray. We're tired. We ain't got time for that. We what? We run. We run. Pride. Ooh, that's good for it. Pride. Pride stop us from prayer. Absolutely. We have so many reasons why. We don't pray, and we laugh because, it's, you know, it's true, but, but also it seems like sometimes we don't pray because our prayers that we've prayed before, they've seemed to go unanswered, and we're worried to take another risk like that again, and another reason we don't pray is that sometimes People simply don't know how. So in Luke 11, Jesus is going to teach us how to pray. So we're just going to look at Luke 11 and go through um, some ways that Jesus would prompt us to pray. Now, listen, I don't know. When I was prepping this, I was thinking about the first time I ever prayed. And I was trying to scour to see if I could find the first time I ever prayed, which that's really hard. It was a long time ago, right? But what I did remember, I couldn't remember the first day I prayed, but I remember when prayer was first introduced to me and when I started praying. I was around six, seven. We were um, in Bed-Stuy. So I'm from Bed-Stuy. You know, Bed-Stuy. Okay, so look, I don't know why people from Bed-Stuy do stuff like that. Because <laughs> I'm people, okay? People is me. But I love Bed-Stuy. Bed-Stuy brought you your greats. Bed-Stuy brought you who? Biggie. Some of the greatest storytellers. Jay-Z, Spike Lee, Shirley Chisholm, the first African-American woman to run for president. Come on, Bed-Stuy brought you your greatest. And Bed-Stuy, when I was growing up, it was like this creative cultural hub. It's a largely African-American community. And I mean, literally, artists from everywhere, maybe something parallel to what was happening in the Harlem Renaissance was happening right here in Bed-Stuy. In and so it was like the best of times. But it was also, it was like, I always tell people, it was a tale of two cities. It was the best of times and it was the worst of times. It's the worst of times because, well, in the garden, 
um, sin entered in. It entered into the world, and sin started to wrap its nasty, filthy, stinky, slimy, wicked fingers around everything, trying to choke the life out of it. And so in Bed-Stuy, in the crack epidemic of the 70s, 80s, 90s, creeped into my beloved community. Stinky, filthy, grimy, slimy fingers, wicked fingers wrapped their hands around my community, devastating people I know and love, wreaking havoc in my own family, in my own house, and in my own life. My mom became addicted to drugs, and we were already really poor, but it made our circumstances more desperate. There was this church that was down the block, like maybe like down the block around the corner, but down the block if you're from Brooklyn. And we would go there on like Tuesdays and Wednesdays. They had the soup kitchen and the clothes drive. So we were literally there just to get the things we needed. We didn't go to church on Sundays. My mom would bring us over there. And there was this lady, she used to give me, <laughs> y'all, okay, so they had grits. And then this is the first time I've ever had it like this. Grape jelly in your grits? Anybody? So this lady introduced me to some grape jelly in my grits. And I don't know, people got really different views on what grits, what you do with your grits, right? Like, all right, people who, who like grits, salt in their grits, salt and butter type of, all right, people who like sugar in their grits, sugar, if you like it, all right, you would go for the grape jelly then, you would go for the grape jelly, you should try this. So the lady gave me grape jelly, I loved it, so what I used to do is we'll go talk to her, she would talk to me, she would always say, gee, you should pray, like, um, I want you to pray, uh, you know, whenever you get a chance or something like that, she would just always encourage me to pray. I'm like, I don't even know what that means, I don't <laughs> You know, so, but I remember keep going back, and she was so sweet, and she would always say, you should pray, you know, to pray. And so I was like, okay, whatever, lady with the grits, you know. But then eventually I asked her, what, how do you do it? What do you do? She says, well, really, it's just a conversation with God. All you do is just talk to God about whatever's going on, tell him what's going on. That's all you got to do. Um, so I said, okay, and he said, you can ask God for things. God's listening and all this stuff. Like, okay, whatever. First, I'm like, who's God? And then I'm like, whatever she's talking about, right? But I'm like, I, I remember going by my bedside and trying to get my twin brother to do the same. Like, God, please get me the mermaid bike with the blue streamers because I've been asking about that mermaid bike with the blue streamers for a long time now. <laughs> you know? But over time, like over the years, the prayers were morphing. They were, please, God. Wherever my mom is, can you keep her warm tonight? Please, God, wherever she is, can you give her some food? Like, can you give her her favorite food, KFC, which is really my favorite food? <laughs> um, and so that went on for a few years. What I discovered was these ladies at the church had been praying for my mom, and that was evidence in the fact that they were asking me to get in on it. <laughs> so I knew that they, I know, so they, knew, they, were, they were asking me to get on, in on something they were doing. So... Um, a few years later, a miraculous thing happens. My mom has a divine encounter. It's an incredible story I don't have time to share with you today. It involves an angel. It's lit. Angels still appear, okay, in our day and time. And my mom comes off of drugs. She gets her life to Christ. She winds up going to seminary. She becomes a preacher. It's just ridiculous. Oh, praise God for Flora's life. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And I say that to say this. There's no wrong way to pray. 
All you have to do is offer whatever you have. All you have to do, you can ask whatever you want. You can say whatever you need. It's conversation with God. I just wanted us to start off with, ain't no wrong way to pray. You can pray. Let's start there. And notice one more thing. I pray, God, please keep her, you know, warm tonight. Please give her food tonight. And God transformed her whole life. Her whole life. So what you bring, God adds to. He can do exceedingly, abundantly more than you could ever ask or think or imagine. And sometimes we tap into that in prayer. So, I mean, so you ain't no wrong way to do it, but let's look at how Jesus does it. All right. All right. Disciples say, Lord, teach us to pray. I love Luke's gospel. I love it because it's an inclusive gospel. This, is a, this gospel has more accounts of um, God calling not only the Jews, but the Gentiles, the other group in that community, and saying everybody, the gospel's for everybody. I love Luke's gospel. Luke's gospel um, also just explores these themes of um, wealth and poverty and where God's flipping everything we believe about what's success, what's exciting, what's good. I love Luke's gospel. Luke's gospel has um, women have a prominent place in Luke's gospel. 23 unique stories about women. More stories about women in Luke's gospel than any other gospel account. I love Luke's gospel. <laughs> and Luke's gospel, they emphasize prayer. There's an emphasis on prayer. You can pull up that slide where Jesus is praying, um, where he leads us in prayer, but also he's praying so much. So he's praying so much. By Luke 11... Um, by the verse that we're about to get into, uh, there was so much building up. There was so much momentum building up. People were getting to see Jesus perform signs and wonders. He calls the 12 disciples. He sends the 12 disciples. He sends out the 72. We're at this part where incredible things are happening all the time. And so, but Jesus seems to always withdrew. He withdrew to prayer. It says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So every time... The disciples are watching Jesus. I believe they asked Jesus, how do we pray? Because they saw, they saw the power of a life lived in prayer. They saw the power. They were witnessing the power of prayer in him. They were witnessing how important prayer was to him. And they were witnessing what was happening through him because of prayer. That's why they're like, uh, I would have been like, can you teach me all the signs and wonders? Because I was trying to do all the signs and wonders. You know, I would have went to Jesus like, they're like, no, Jesus, teach me how to pray. They must have been clued in that something's being released. Powers must be being released. Authority must be being released through there. So, ask Jesus, teach how to pray. This is how Jesus starts this. We're Luke 11, and Jesus starts, our Father. Y'all, when Jesus says, our Father, he's inviting us to think of our relationship with God as family. 
he's inviting that we're not just like maybe some of the prophets in the Old Testament, they would relate to God like, oh, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, God of my ancestors, God by your name, God by your characteristics. All of that is lit. But when Jesus comes, he says, say our father. That's exciting because you're hearing him say it. You're hearing Jesus say, our father, you're hearing it from the only person who can make that possible. Jesus makes it possible for us to say our father because of his life lived here on earth, because of his death on the cross, because he rose again on the third day, we all get to be sons and daughters. Romans 8.15, you've received the spirit of adoption as sons, daughters, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. We are in the family. So God's saying, come to me because I'm your father. I'm, I'm, we, you, you're in the family. Um, it's pater in Greek, and it means source, sustainer. David was talking about that a few weeks ago, that God is the ultimate source. This is where we keep going back to. That's what they're trying to draw a picture of for you. Um, in the Greco-Roman world, the father was responsible for everyone in the family. The father takes care of the inheritance. The father has authority. That's um, a quote from Dr. Judy Fentress Williams, one of my favorite OT Bible um, scholars and professors. She's at Virginia Theological. And she's saying, this is to show you what kind of authority also that you're going to in the father. This father has all authority. For some people, the word father, it can be um, a tough way to relate to God. And if that's you, I really relate with that. My father was in my life sometimes, out of my life, like it was like in and out, like double dutch, I don't know. Um, Try to make a joke there, but it's cool. <laughs> I mean, I definitely made a joke, but she wasn't sure if you could laugh, and it's, that's also cool. Um, and so I, have, I understand having like a really hard way to imagine God as father in some ways that, well, I just invite you that, one, God is not father like in a heavenly way, like how earthly fathers are. Though earthly fathers can be great, even the best, best earthly father. But you want to think like the best, best earthly father, but then way, way better than that. Like the perfect father is what you want to be thinking about when you're thinking about God as father. But say you're still having trouble with God as father. Well, maybe you can just relate to God as a nursing mother. Yeah. Isaiah did. Yeah. Isaiah 49, 15. Never can a mother forget her nursing child. Can she feel no love for the child she has born? But even if that were possible, I would not forget about you. See, I have written your name on the palms of my hand. On the palms of my hand, because you are mine. You can relate to God these ways. Um, you want to look at this as a doorway. Uh, like, uh, I like um, Dr. Judy says that not a destination, a way to relate to God. And I think it's so special and intimate that our God wants to relate to us as family. Other gods relate to them as subjects, beings. We're family. I also wanted to make one little side note about our earthly moms and dads. Our earthly moms and dads have limitations. Our earthly moms and dads have humanity. They are limited in capacity. They are limited in resources. They are limited in authority, but not God. Yeah. That's why God is the best parent. Yeah. 
He's not limited in capacity. He's not limited in resources. And he has all authority. That's why he can be the best parent. Okay. So then we go down. Prayers about relationship. Um, I actually want to tell you these four things. This is what I want you to hopefully be thinking about today. Prayers about relationship. Prayer transforms us and everything and everyone around us. Our prayers reach the ear of the one who has all authority. And in prayer, we get to exercise our God-given authority. Go down to Luke 11:4, and we find more instances that prompt us that relationship is about prayer. Verse 4, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. This is to that point. Prayer transforms us and everyone, everything around us. Um, God is asking us to be in a healthy relationship with him. And in a healthy relationship, people admit wrongdoing. People say, look, I messed up. They ask for forgiveness. Now, God is also calling us to do um, in this prayer. He says what's important is relationship with the beloved. Oh, beloved is everybody. That's you. That's me. That's everyone. That's us. So in relationship with each other. So that's what it seems like God is concerned about is our relationship with him and our relationship with each other. Now, guys, we are part of God's restorative and reconciling work in the world where God is reconciling all things unto himself. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, making peace through the blood of his cross. Colossians 1, 19, 20. Came up on this real cool um, translation of the Lord's Prayer. Uh, but Sarah Rudin, Sarah Rudin, is a uh, theologian, scholar, uh, translator. She's a, she does a lot of different Bible translations, but she does the Greek translation. She has one of the most current Greek translations of this text. So we're about to get to what this text would say to us today with the more information that we have now. No, Sarah Rudin. Father, let your name be spoken in holiness. Let your kingdom arrive. Give us day by day tomorrow's loaf of bread and set us free from our offenses since we ourselves have set free everyone bound to us likewise. I'm gonna pause right there. And set us free from our offenses since we ourselves have set free everyone bound to us likewise. We are in the Lent season and the Lent season is a lot, about a lot of things. One of the things is repentance. It's about us, you know, it starts asking forgiveness from God and turning away from sinful desires and our own desires and orienting ourselves back to God. It's, that's what this season is about as we walk towards um, Calvary with Jesus. God wants us to be a part of helping restore God's beloved back to themselves. God wants us to be a part of a liberating work, and it requires that we unbind some people. We unbind them so that they can go walk fully 
in their true identity as the beloved of God. So we're about loosing people, amen? Amen. We're about setting captives free, amen? Amen. And that then does mean forgiving your sister. (laughs) That does mean forgiving your brother. That does mean forgiving that person who never asked, never even apologized, never, it doesn't even come up on their radar what they've done to you. I know that there has to be a lot of pain in this room. I know that there are stories and things that feel completely, what would say, unforgivable. I know, beloved, and I trust that you and God, y'all can take that up and talk about it. But I just want to encourage you that you, when you forgive others, you loose them. You set them free. And guess what? You start to feel your freedom a little bit more. Um, I was, I was doing ministry in the Red Hook Housing Projects for a long time. I was actually a part of an outreach ministry before coming here for about 15 years. And a majority of that time was spent in the Red Hook Housing Projects, y'all, going through doors, going through parks, and meeting teens out in the world and asking them, would you like to be my friend? I'm not creepy, but I would love to share Jesus with you. Anyway, something like that. I mean, I shared my life too. And so... Um, so, but I came on some hard times, okay? I was working for a not pro- nonprofit, wasn't making no profit, okay? And my roommate said, she didn't want to have no roommates no more. Y'all know the apartment in New York City struggle? Anybody, anybody in here with me? Okay, struggle. So now I found myself, I had to put all my stuff in storage, had to find a new place to live. I'm like, God, I don't know how I'm going to do it. So I put um, all my stuff in storage, and I asked my friends if I could cruise their couches. They said yes, but it was horrible, but we were doing it, right? But the nuns in Red Hook, they was my friends. Those were my buddies. Those were my girls. The nuns in Red Hook found out. I don't know who told them, but they found out I didn't have a place to stay and said I can come live with them. So, y'all, I went to live with the nuns. <laughs> I lived with the nuns. I lived with the nuns and for a few weeks. And God is so good to me. Ooh, sign there real quick. Do y'all know that the nuns take a vow of poverty? Meaning they... They, they choose poverty. Like, I grew up in poverty. So I was like, oh, that's cool what y'all got going on. But, you know what I mean? But I think that's so cool. Meaning they don't eat unless people bring them food. They don't get, they only rely, like it, people around have to like associate, supermarkets, people have to give them food and then they go together to cook. It was all about community, kononia. We did everything together. But they don't, and, that, and that's a note to uh, give us each day our daily bread. <laughs> they believe God in a different way, y'all, anyway, right? It was a blessing to be there is what I'm saying, okay? The anointing was in the place, okay? Now, we would pray at night um, on the weeknights in the bottom of the basement, and we would wrap hands, and we'd pray for anything, pray for anything. And I'm like, this is lit. I love to pray, you know what I mean? Me and my mom would pray all the time. This is okay, sure. But then they started confessing. They started confessing sin. They started confessing sin outwardly. I'm like, look, I don't need to confess sin in front of other people, all right? I got a mediator. It's me and Jesus. When really, it'd be like, it's me and my pillow. But either way, right, I ain't trying to confess my sins to these people, right? So, but I would close my eyes, and we'd all pray. And they're from everywhere, like Ireland and Hungary and so many different places in the world. And the different accents, and they would just, oh, Lord, forgive me. I've sinned. I was angry at Sister Frauka. And you know, like, I'm like, what? There's beef in the nunnery? What? Um, so, <laughs> so I was just like in there sipping that tea, like what? Nah. 
<laughs> I was praying. I was interceding too. I was interceding too. Right? So then what happened is one day, I don't know what came over me. Y'all, all of a sudden, I'm in there. I just started with a little, it came out like a waterfall. <laughs> God, I confess I'm angry. I'm upset. I, I've been homeless, literally homeless before, and this is triggering for me. God, I'm angry and I'm upset. You got me go to college, first in my family to go to college just to come here and make no profit. That doesn't make any sense. God, I'm so angry and upset. The teens in my neighborhood, they keep being harassed. They're harassed violently by their neighbors. They're harassed violently by the police. They are harassed all day, nonstop. Jesus, I'm angry because I came here to do your work, but then you ain't even give me a place to stay. Yes. Sorry. It rises up in me. I can go back to that place. Desperate. You got me coming up here. My dad got cancer. Got me coming up here. My mom isn't well. You got me coming up here doing this. Why? Confession. And then what happened is every time we did that afterwards, what we would do is hold our hands out and say, Father, forgive us of our sins. And then we would say, we've been forgiven. And y'all, I'm not lying. Something about confessing it outwardly I, and then saying I've been forgiven outwardly, I felt like, I felt it come off. I felt forgiven. I felt like an unloosing, an un, a freeing, a freeing. And we have the opportunity when we confess sin to God. This is in 1 John 5, we confess sin. He is faithful and just to purify us from all unrighteousness. He's not going to leave you hanging when you confess sin. It's going to bless you. It's going to loose you. And then now... You can go loose others. So that's what I learned at the convent. I learned a lot of things there. Prayer is about relationship. It's about relationship. And prayer transforms everyone and everything it touches. Um, I love this because uh, it's, we do it in community, just like in Kononia's community, but also this community. My friends, I was a part of a women's prayer group that met once a month for years. And these are some of the good women that were in it. And I like, praise God. I got Carolyn Harrison in the house, y'all. OMG, spiritual director, soul care sister. I mean, a whole in the house, y'all. Prayer warrior, okay? Now. We would pray and we would petition. These are women from all different places, walk and stage of life, all different, if you could hear. Oh, you probably can't even see that they're all different ages, places, walks of life, different churches, denominations, charisma. Barb Augustine from here was a part of that prayer group. That's how I know Barb for years. Um, we would just meet together and pray. It wasn't organized by any organization. We just did it. And I saw, I remember salt fish fritters. I remember Martinelli's was the drink. I remember breakthrough. I remember crying. I remember laughter. I remember transformation. Yes. We pray in community, and that's another reason why. We've got to loose people so we can go pray with them. More on setting people free. So... It's this wild episode. It's in Acts. Paul and Silas are building the church. And in Acts 16, there's an enslaved woman with an evil spirit following them around. So Paul gets annoyed with it. He casts out the evil spirit, blessing that woman, really. But the people that were getting profit off of her, her work were so angry. So angry that they caught Paul and Silas, captured them, severely beat them, and flogged them. 
and put them in jail. And y'all, I don't know why it says it like this, but they didn't just put them in jail. They put them in a the, in the, in the jail. How much more jail can you get? <laughs> I, I feel so sad about this story because I'm like, wow, they were freeing her. So I want to take you to the story because something miraculous happens. Acts 16, verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. Y'all, the prison doors flew open. And everyone's chains came loose. There's a famous antonym about prayer that you might have heard like growing up. It's uh, push, right? P-U-S-H. Pray until something happens. Well, I've come with a new antonym today. It's pup dumb. <laughs> pray until the prison doors open. Pray until the prison doors open. No, we're not doing this. Prayer is the portal that brings the power of heaven. This is a quote by Priscilla Shire. Prayer is the portal that brings the power of heaven down to earth. It's kryptonite to the enemy and to all his plans against you. Priscilla Shire is fervent, a woman's battle plan for serious uh, and specific strategic prayer. I highly recommend and recommend men and women. Everybody get in on that. Anyways, that's shameless plug. Um, and Jesus came to them. We, 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 we are thinking, we need to be thinking about the one we're praying to. We have the ear of the one who has all authority. And that one seems to be releasing power through prayer. They were praying and singing. And then the prison doors flew open and the chains came loose. We want to be people who the prison doors come open because we're praying. Who people's chains are coming loose because we're praying we're doing this because God has authority. Jesus, there's this verse, Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus had all authority. Not some authority, not a little bit of authority. All authority had been given to him. And now Jesus is inviting us to take up our God-given authority. Now, Mark Charles, he's a Native American activist. He's from the Navajo. He's also a Christian pastor, and he, uh, he bridges a lot of gaps that I see sometimes in the way that we understand what God was doing. Some of those are around power and authority. Power is this exerting your own will over something and making it. Authority, if you have authority, you have the right to command, to govern, to make things come into obedience. That's authority. And so Mark Charles says this, and it's so true. Jesus didn't teach like someone who studied scriptures. He taught like someone who wrote it. We've got to go into prayer like the ones that God has given the authority. 
because these scriptures are for us. They weren't for God. It wasn't for Jesus. I mean, they all use, but I mean, the, um, all the prophets using them, but they're for us. So we want to tap in. Jesus relinquishes a need for power and instead exerts his authority. And Jesus' authority, it looked like rebuking the wind and the waves. Jesus' authority looked like healing diseases. Jesus' authority looked like um, casting out demons, right? In Mark 9, I remember a story of a young boy who was demon-possessed. He was demon-possessed, and he kept throwing himself into the fire and even into the water. He was demon-possessed, and he came to... um, to the disciples, the disciples couldn't heal him. And the disciples asked Jesus. Jesus winds up healing him. But the disciples asked, why can't we heal him? And Jesus says, Mark 9, 29, this kind can only go out by prayer and fasting. You guys, I don't know about you, but I got a few people I could think about that really throw themselves, are throwing themselves into the fire they are throwing themselves into the water. And they don't really mean to. They don't want to. They're having a hard time. And it seems like Jesus is saying, we have an opportunity to help them get free from the thing that is plaguing them. And we're going to do that through prayer. And we're going to do that through fasting. That's why it's exciting to be in this series. That's why it's exciting to be in this time in life. We are able to take up our God-given authority even right now. We can do it like Jesus did. So here's to doing it like Jesus did. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, authorities of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces and evil in the heavenly realms. Y'all, there is war in our world, and there is war in the realms. It's warring all the time, and it feels overwhelming. But please be encouraged by this. And this is where we'll be ending. Jesus has authority, but he's delegated a significant part of that authority to us. Please love it. Check it out. When he commissions the 12 in Matthew 10, he gives them the authority to drive out evil spirits. When he commissions the 12 in Mark 6, he gives them the authority to drive out evil spirits and preach the gospel. When he commissions the 12 in Luke 9, he says, I give you authority to drive out evil spirits, cure all diseases, and proclaim the kingdom of God. So we learn that the commissioning of the 12 disciples was, it, was, it, was about Jesus sharing his authority. That should encourage you. Jesus wants to share his authority with us. He's, God is delegating some of his authority to us, sharing it with us wants us to take it up. Prayer is a great place to take it up, beloved. It's a great place to take up the authority God's given us. So how do you take it up when you only got 10 seconds left on the clock? Here's how. I'm just going to show us um, a note, and then you guys are going to have to read some more. It's Ephesians 6. Um, Ephesians 6, yep, 10 through 18. Please write that down, Ephesians 6, 10 to 18. I just want you to go look at it at another time. These are weapons for warfare, all right? Some people got different postures in prayer, okay? This, this is my posture in prayer. You can go, you can click. You can click, there's an image. There's an, <laughs> this is my posture, okay? I'm a cool yet, all right? I got my spear, my sword. I'm ready for battle. 
this is a great prayer posture. So Ephesians 6, 10 to 18, I won't be going through all of those. I'm just going to highlight two ways for us to fight. We want to take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You have the word of God ready for battle. And that might take some extra effort. That might mean memorizing scripture. And not in that performance-driven way, like how y'all be like me to do. How we be like me to do. You know, achiever. That's one of my top strengths, okay? Just so we're clear. So, me too. No, but not in that way. In a way that we meditate on the word of God to where it comes in our hearts and it's, it's printed there so we're able to fight in prayer. Another way, and this is the last, and this is where I'll be ending us, is to take up a shield of faith. If you're going to pray that thing, you might as well believe that thing. Because we're praying with expectation. And we can, because we're praying, we have the ear of the one who has all authority. And we can, because he wants us to share in his God-given authority. So you pray. You pray and believe God for his promises. You can believe God at his word. I am going to round this up right here. If you can go back to those four, prayer is about relationship. It's relationship, okay? It's transformation. It's God authority, and then it's our God-given authority, okay? So right now, I just want you to get up, get up. I'm going to have us pray together. Oh, get into it. All right. Now, I'm going to invite you to pray. This is going to only happen for about five minutes, so don't be worried. Okay. <laughs> All right, so I invite you, Psalm 103, Psalm 103, if you want to pull that up, you can pull that up, that might be a good God. Here's what I'm going to invite you to do, because I just feel like, why are we talking about praying and not praying, right? I want you to turn, if you feel comfortable, if you feel safe, I want you to turn to a neighbor near you, could be one or two, uh, like it could be three in a group or two, and I'd love for you Pray for each other. Now, everybody might not get a chance. That's okay. God knows who needed that prayer today. I want you to pray for each other. Now, a great way to pray is to pray the scriptures. So here's Psalm 103, just a way for you to pray for the beloved. Now, you could just pray the words that are there. You could pray that way. Or you could pray interpreting the words that are there. Feel free. Or you could pray how you feel led. If anybody goes in this section, <laughs> it's going down. I, I highly recommend going over here. And some other sections, too. Oh, definitely over here, too. That's Elisa and Jackie. That's Carolyn and Mia. Okay, anyways. But, um, so, so just say, just join, and we're just going to pray for each other. Just, you can ask the person. Maybe you want to share one thing you want prayer for, or maybe you don't. You could just re still receive prayer without saying. So, go ahead and do that. Do that for a few minutes, and I'll have us come back. Go ahead and turn and do that. Okay. Uh, somebody pray for me. Had me on their mind. Took the time to pray for me. Sing it with me. I'm so glad they pray. I'm so glad they pray. I'm so glad they pray for me. My mother prayed for me. Had me on her mind. Took the time to pray for me. I'm 
told them to do that five seconds ago. <laughs> I said, oh, yeah, I'm going to sing a song. <laughs> Anyways, okay, you guys, oh, man, praise God. Look, <clears throat> stand right there and let me bless you. Just want to remind you to use your God-given authority to come against the enemy. He says, I have given you the authority. First of all, he says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from the sky. I have given you the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Jesus is giving you authority, beloved. I pray today you would take it up. I pray today you'd be so blessed. I pray today you'd remember you're the beloved. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. 